Good morning, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us wherever you are and whatever you are up to. Now, as the dust settles, or maybe that should be the smoke clears, following the enthusiasm for InsureTech changing the world a few years ago, a few themes are emerging as those that insurers really care about. Well, you've heard us talk about them before, climate, parametric, use of data and analytics to make better decisions, extracting information from PDFs and spreadsheets, gotta love that one, and the power of platforms, the list does go on. And there are many fascinating companies out there doing this and more. But not everything that glitters is gold. And the one test of whether a new idea is any good, and my personal favorite filter for many things in life, is the question, so what? Or is close cousin, who cares? Try that one out next time you come across something that looks bright, shiny, and new. Well, today's guest works for a company that you may have heard of, but many people may not realize what it does or indeed how successful it has been. Capgemini has definitely answered the so what and who cares question. It's not just about the size of the company, though. As you'll find in a minute in my interview with Chris Lesage de Fontenay, Capgemini cares a lot about culture, supporting its people and taking a lead in meaningful actions to manage sustainability and measure carbon emissions, both for itself and its clients. Now, someone told me recently they thought our podcast was getting a little bit too corporate. Well, we all love the energy of startups and the hard-won growth of scale-ups, but innovation didn't begin in 2015, and there is a lot to learn from how larger companies maintain and cultivate ideas, diversity, and the use of new technology, and a lot more. So whilst we'll still be featuring our favorite CEOs and founders, or at least those that are supporting us as members, we will be continuing to peel back the covers on some of the bigger companies out there too. So let's find out a bit more about Capgemini and why a farmer is now working in insurance. Chris, delighted to be talking to you. Uh, we're thrilled to be working with Capgemini. In some sense, you are one of the industry's biggest secrets. You're very well known to some, but you're actually less well known to others. I see you've got 340,000 people in more than 50 countries, revenues of $18 billion. So clearly, you are one of the leaders in the consulting and digital transformation services you're offering uh, across many verticals, I think, including insurance the company itself started in France, but I know you're quite significant in the US just now and actually doing quite a lot in the UK. You yourself are insurance leader for insurance for the UK for Capgemini. So, Chris, welcome. Um, how are you today and, and where are you? Thank you for having me on. Um, I'm very well, thank you, and, and enjoying slightly cooler weather now. And um, I'm, I'm sitting here in my home in London. Good. Well, we're going to talk about the cooler weather in a minute because I know you've got an in intriguing background. But uh, first of all, I just want to talk about your name. You've got a fantastic surname there, Lesage de Fontenoy. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. What, what's the uh, what's the origin <laughs> well, of that? The name comes from um, from France, as as it uh, as it sounds like, Lesage de Fontenoy. But it travels from France with the Huguenots to Denmark, and um, in 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 Denmark, it travelled from um, Denmark to Iceland in. Uh, about uh, in the Second World War. Um, and at that time, you know, family names were forbidden in Iceland. Um, so, so kind of the name went into hiding and came back out again when the laws were changed. Um, but I'm, I'm myself, I'm, I'm brought up in Iceland um, on a farm in the Icelandic countryside. Um, our, our view out our kitchen window was the, the glacier that erupted so elegantly in 2010. I think everyone remembers that moment. And, and the easy spelling of that uh, glacier, Eyjafjallajökull, 
Um, so, so I'm fortunate enough to have started very young driving tractors and, and looking after livestock and uh, kind of giving me that passion of looking for things to, to, to make them better, as you will see on any good farm. No, that's tremendous. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means. Uh, I'm not going to try and repeat the name of the volcano that erupted. We, we, in my previous life, though, we had conference rooms named after disasters, and some joker named one of them after your Icelandic volcano. So, of course, no one can ever pronounce what conference room they're going to be in. Excellent, yes. <laughs> uh, but that's no, I don't know. I've had anybody from Iceland on the uh, the podcast. Certainly not someone who's been a farmer in Iceland before. And I, I, as I said, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about that because uh, you had a wonderful sort of analogy for how you think about life on a farm of trying to make things better and how that connects to what you're doing in insurance. So maybe we'll, we'll pick up on that a little bit. But first of all, I just wanted to frame what we're going to be talking about today because there's lots of things we could cover. But for, for our person listening, what do you think is going to be the most important thing for them to, to take away from this? One thing you should remember about Capgemini is, is the culture, the way we work, the way we um, um, uh, grow careers and how we collaborate with our clients and uh, the outcome of that culture is is evident in in everything we do so so have a have a look at kind of the, our reputation um it's something that is very different from anyone else in the market um, and, and a worthwhile reason to have a conversation with us first of all i wanted just to make sure we define what a system integration company does or si as it's commonly referred to and I, I know that's a one key part of what you do at Capgemini. Just for those not familiar with the term or what a system integrator does, can you explain what that means in practice? Systems integrators do what the system integrators word really really says. We we help um, organisations bring the best out of uh, new technology and and new business practices um, developed and customised for those businesses to um, take the leadership in their markets. Great. Well, that's a very elegant description there. So just to make sure I understand this correctly as well. So you might be helping, we take Guidewire or Duck Creek, you know, just two of the largest positive policy administration systems. You might help an insurer integrate those into their workflow and, and set them up. Is that a sort of yeah. Yeah. Uh, example? That's a, that a good example? A good example. Uh, you would typically have, when you have platforms like that, you will have a multiple uh, other business interfaces, both uh, processes, ways of working, and other technologies that that need to communicate seamlessly with a uh, with a new or enhanced platforms. And 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 recently, obviously, we're moving all of this onto the onto the cloud as well, which kind of creates a a, sl a slightly different dynamic as well into kind of the the, the old legacy. But there's there's quite um, a complex infrastructure in most cases behind, and and we help to kind of simplify that and and get the best out of what you're investing in. There are quite a few companies that call themselves system integrators. Clearly, with revenues of eighteen billion dollars, you're doing something right. What would you say to somebody that is out there either looking to work with a system integrator or maybe even going to look going to work for a system integrator about how Cap Gemini differentiates themselves or what are your strong areas versus others yeah, out there um, there's a quite a large difference in the way we work somewhat our, our operating model but predominantly around the culture and the culture is that what then reflects back to our our clients um, and i think we we we've done very well in in um, developing a collaborative uh, culture we have a very flat organization in capgemini that means you know uh, people at every level are empowered to make 
decisions that best um, enhance and, and uh, develop uh, solutions for our, our clients. Um, and, and I think, and not necessarily just taking my word for it, but we've, we've been winning uh, awards on, on the back of that culture as the most inclusive employer, uh, topping the gender equality index, you know, sustainability and stonewall um, and, and corporate responsibility. Um, and I think what we see with our clients when we are working with them, um, is a, there's a different experience from, from what others offer. And I think as, as a consequence, if you're a person looking for empowerment and managing and driving your own career, Capgemini is an excellent choice. And just to bring that to life, I mean, have you got an example of how somebody coming in early in their career might be given a responsibility that might be you know, more than they get in other companies, whether it's system integration or anything oh, absolutely. else? Absolutely. I've got so many examples. And this is one of the things I'm, I really enjoy working in Capgemini for, is to see uh, that acceleration of, of careers. We have a large graduate program uh, hiring a significant number in the tens of thousands of graduates globally. And I'm seeing people evolving in a, in a year or two year into uh, uh, promotion of two or three levels really fast because they found something that they really have a passion for. They have a real, re real strong um, alignment with kind of what we do. And that, that's the beauty of, I think our model is, is that kind of, we're not constrained by um, the you know, steps um, alone. We have a structure, but, but we are able to kind of move a lot faster. And um, yeah, I'm, th I'm thinking of a program manager who has been with us for, you know, under five years and is now running a very complex uh, program uh, interfacing into uh, the CXO level. And that's a, a, both a lot of responsibility, but also a lot of knowledge, I'm sure, for somebody to absorb in a fairly short period of time. I mean, how do you help people get to that point that they're, they're capable of being yeah, able to take it, on that responsibility fairly quickly? Uh, absolutely. The level of investment we, we, we put into training, and not just any training, you, you'll see that we are gold partners to all the industry-leading technologies. So if you're interested in, in kind of developing your skill set with the leading, uh, leading technology, we, we have uh, training programs that we've developed with, uh, with Google, with Amazon, with Microsoft, and more. Um, and it, I think it gives people kind of a real cutting edge on the market. And then just want to talk a little bit about the implementation side. And again, it's always helpful to share some stories or examples. Uh, have you got any client stories you can share with us just to bring to life what it's like to be a systems integrator? Yeah. I particularly think of, of one where we've developed such a strong relationship with a client based on, on our both kind of joint collaborative cultures and openness in, in partnership. And with that particular client, they had a, a significant challenge in terms of reducing costs of their legacy estate, complicated, difficult work. We took on that role for them, collaboratively with them, and we had such confidence in our own delivery. We, we put money into escrow account for the value of the savings we were going to give them. And together we, we developed that program and delivered it and the entire escrow got paid back. But I, I, I always feel like when you're able to put um, your money where your mouth is and stand behind your own ability, there isn't a, a much better, um, you could say, promotion we could have for our services. Yeah, no, you have to be confident you can deliver if you're going to do that. So I, mean, I just, for anybody not familiar with escrow, it basically means you take the money, you put it in a, a bank account, you can't touch it or won't touch it until the end of the project. And then I guess if the client wasn't happy, 
they could get the money back uh, and that they were happy. So as it turns out, you got yeah, paid. Yeah, exactly. And that's, we, we, we're seeing a lot more of that, that, that uh, element of risk sharing and basically the, the systems integrators like ourselves taking on a, a, a larger role within the organization, hence the importance of collaboration. Is that where there's a sort of higher risk or higher uh, or higher level of uncertainty about the outcome from the project? Is that why you? I don't imagine you'd be doing that all the time for your. No, it's not. Uh, it's not all the time. It's something we see that is 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 growing um, on on the market, and and it's growing because of both the the size of the risk and the complexity coming together. I think it's difficult for you could say a uh, smaller competitors to do because usually these. Um, Challenges are quite wide, so you need to have a broad capability and confidence in that capability when you take this on. But I, I, again, all of these programs and projects that are, we are successful with our clients are, are successful because we have found the right tone of collaboration with our clients. It sort of brings to mind the, kind of the Amazon business model of you can easily return anything you buy from Amazon. or In fact, these days, any, any kind of online retailer now has to do that. Whereas you get about five years and it was, you know, sometimes it's impossible to return things. Yours is you're slightly more commitment and, and money at stake because you've done the work. But it, it's an interesting way that kind of psychology of what people's expectations are is evolving over time. And as you say, I, that to me clearly differentiates the, the need and ability to be able to have confidence in, in what you're able to deliver and, and I guess the cost savings as well. Hi, I'm Tara, one of the research analysts at Instech. We are currently writing our next report the Cyber Insurance Outlook for 2023, the 80 companies to watch. This report will feature the data companies providing cyber risk analysis, the MGAs emerging in the space providing specialized cover, and the cyber risk managers and insurers. If you are working in the space and are not already a member, but would like to learn more, please get in touch by sending me an email at tara at instech.co or reaching out on LinkedIn. I'm sure a big part of what you're doing with the integration almost by definition, is bringing together sources of data and analytics. Can you just talk a little bit about you know, how that's working and, and maybe, some, again, some kind of examples of how you're helping insurance companies bring in new data sources to help them make decisions? Oh, absolutely. We're, um, we're in the fortunate position of being technology agnostic and we have scale. So that means we are working with all the industry leaders in, um, in, in data uh, and we're doing it at a, at a quite uh, a sizable uh, level. So we are working with Microsoft, AWS, Q-Link, Snowflake, and more. As a consequence of that collaboration, as well as that we work across multiple industry sectors, the challenge or the opportunity of data has a lot of similarity across industries. We've blended a lot of these technologies together to get the ultimate um, uh, outcome for our, for our clients. Um, puts us, I think, in a very unique position when it comes to the data. So you'll be advising your clients on which of those third-party data providers and analytical tools to use in the implementation? Yeah, absolutely. I think every single client has a very unique uh, technology and business footprint. And, and it's all about kind of matching those strengths in, into that and, and enhancing kind of their business through it. Are you providing your own data? For, are you going out and looking for sort of original sources so there's a kind of cap Gemini view, or is it all third party? It's all, all third party. We we don't uh, we don't develop data sources ourselves. But but as you know, uh, the the volume of availability of data now has is exponentially growing every every year, and the complexity of knowing the quality data, uh, reliable data, and how you use it, 
is is now far more important than than just having um, access to the data itself. You mentioned sustainability earlier on, and I know this is linked to some of the research that you're you're offering people to get access to. And you released recently the World Property and Casualty Insurance Report. I, I was really fascinated to look at that. You got some fantastic interactive graphics in there which allow people to to drill down on the research you did by country and line of business um a really really clever way i think of going beyond just a a pdf report but can you can you talk a little bit about what the sort of the the intent of that report was and maybe a couple of the findings from it yeah i mean this is our research kind of primary research we we do every year and and this time it's focused on on climate change Um, we've interviewed over 200 executives uh, across the world to to develop those uh, those views and those findings what we're finding the climate risk is accelerated to the top of of um certainly in Europe, uh, of the European insurance as, as a major concern. And, uh, and nowadays only just behind cyber and, and given, you know, cyber is, is still kind of one of the, the biggest business challenges um, in the industry. Um, the, the rate of which that concern of, of sustainability has grown is, is, is significant. And we see now quite a um, difference between um, organizations that are developing uh, proactive solutions towards sustainability and um, environment versus those who are not. And maybe that's linked to kind of many other elements of their, of their culture, but w- we can see the organizations that are, are proactive and progressive, they seem to be doing better and they seem to have adopted their business model faster to, to the new world. Um, and maybe an outcome of that ad- adaptation is, is the sustainability focus. But there is without a doubt and what we're highlighting here is is an opportunity for the industry to play a very different role and also there's there's still plenty of space in the industry to to take leadership and uh, grow grow differentiation what about your cap gemini itself back to the sort of some of the things we talked about the people there I, I suspect based on what you said and some of the things we've spoken about that cap gemini itself has got quite strong views about sustainability and, and how it supports that through the actions of its people and, and the business. Yeah, when you look at kind of the um, um, SI industry, that Capgemini is coming at the top in almost every aspect. And, and uh, you know, we were a major sponsor for the COP26 in Glasgow last year. And we, we have, or our, our chairman um, and CEO now, Armin Esset, has put this, this as business priority number one for us to deliver our operations in a sustainable way. Um, and we've accelerated our targets in doing so. And uh, absolutely, for every, every month when we go through our own numbers, we, we go through our sustainability targets and our, um, our carbon footprints. And what would be a practical example of, of what's happening behind that to actually make that real? We have, for example, moved all our um, energy consumption into green energy for, for all our estate. We are uh, also optimizing, you could say, you know, um, uh, office office space for sustainability reasons. We're also we've moved all our employee cars onto electric cars. We are um, reducing emissions kind of out of our, our technology uh, usage. So this is kind of through our data centers and and more, and effectively uh, moving, reducing our business travel and and travel. Is a new new way of remote working where appropriate. Our plan is to uh, for this year to to do fifty to seventy percent less travel than we did in twenty nineteen, which is the last kind of compatible year. One of the challenges in driving a sustainable business is the measurement, and I think we we have invested 
significantly in um, our measurement of our carbon footprint. So we can look at each of our accounts or business units and we can look at um, with, with some time delay in weeks but not months of how much carbon footprint that business unit or that account has, has resulted in last month. That gives us the opportunity to take kind of corrective actions or, or change things or, or, or make things possible for our people to, to contribute more so than, uh, than I've seen anywhere else in the industry. Well, I mean, I feel we were starting to launch a whole new <laughs> podcast on uh, how to measure your carbon footprint and emissions and reductions because yeah, that is such a hot topic. I mean, that's we were looking at that earlier this year and it's, it's very hard, particularly when you get from the sort of scope one and two, which is, tends to be what you've got companies got more control of because those are the emissions by and large they're responsible for into scope three emissions, which is the emissions that your business partners uh, are responsible for. Much harder to be able to measure measure those. Is that so? You, you mentioned you do it for yourselves. Is that something that you're also offering to your your clients that to help them measure their carbon? Yeah, emissions? we we do offer that to our clients, and and we we have now grown our sustainability expertise you know, many fold over in the last three years. Whereas we had sustainability expertise in, in the tens here in Europe, we now have, the, have it in the hundreds uh, in terms of individuals and industry leaders. And, and we've been able to deploy that kind of on ourselves and taking a lot of our learnings to our clients. We find kind of that um, it's a challenge for, for our clients. And, and I certainly have been very focused on, on only bringing things that we are implementable uh, for our clients changes kind of their trajectory rather than just sharing kind of the, the, the ambition we all have because I think we all agree with kind of where we need to go. What our clients really are after is kind of can you help us find a better way or the best way to get there. And of course your, your, your homeland Iceland has a benefit of being able to access green energy and I think culturally it's probably one of the leaders isn't it in this in this area yeah uh, absolutely uh, Iceland is very fortunate in the in the sense it has um, huge amounts of natural resources but they've been they've been harnessed in in the in the right way and uh, yeah no it's it's uh, it's it's really amazing to see kind of the latest technology also on on that um, where where they're doing kind of large-scale decarbonization of of uh, off the air, um, using natural uh, technology or kind of uh, energy, pumping the carbon into the ground and uh, where it turns into rocks. Um, and uh, there's just kind of so much happening in that space. And I think um, I, you know, um, it gives me a real um, positive outlook for, for, for we, that we're going to find a solution, you know, in, in one of those many, many um, pilots and, and investments that are being made in that industry we're going to find a solution that's going, to, that's going to help us. And as you're talking earlier about farmers, and both you and I are tractor enthusiasts, <laughs> let's say, but what's going, to happen to, what's going to happen to agriculture machinery? Because people talk about electric cars, I guess, you know, starting to move into electric trucks, but what's happening on, this, on that area, do you think, in, in sort of agricultural machinery? Are the electric tractors starting to be used now? No, far? I haven't seen that. And I think... Um, Speaking with, um, uh, you know, friends and family in, in Iceland, you know, the electric cars are, are great for certain environments, but, but the nice Icelandic environments are not great for um, electric vehicles, particularly if you're driving through a, a river or a, a deep puddle, as they often happen in, in the wintertime. And um, we, we see a lot of electric cars kind of effectively <laughs> get stuck. In the, in the wrong places. We've not seen kind of that uh, yet on, on kind of on the farming side, 
you know, with with uh, evolution, I'm, I'm sure that will happen. Well, we should maybe so much different word that Elon Musk. I mean, if you can send a rocket up into space, uh, I'm sure he can design a Tesla tractor version that doesn't <laughs> stall when it goes through yes. a puddle. <laughs> it's just it's just not quite as glamorous, is it? Building electric no. tractors is rockets. Uh, okay, Chris, we've covered a lot. Is, uh, is there anything we haven't talked about that is important to, to mention related to Capgemini uh, or anything else you might want to mention? We've got like 25 sustainability solutions in Capgemini, like, like proper ones. But when I, yeah. when I looked at them, so I'm, because I, I head up sustainability for financial services in the UK for Capgemini, I've honed it down really into things that actually make a difference for a client. Hence, kind of, we've invested in this kind of developing this dashboard, which we've linked to into our financial systems, using algorithms to build assumptions where we don't have the data. And my idea is kind of, I share with some of our accounts, like our carbon footprint in our delivery to them. But that helps us to kind of keep ourselves honest, but also shows kind of it can be done because like it's a number one. I've spoken to so many um, kind of sustainability leads in, in the industry. It's a common theme. It's like, I just don't know how to measure what we do. I, I can do all the right things in the annual report. I can talk about, you know, rationalization, travel policy, but I can't show it. Yeah, or people can measure it, but uh, but how good are your measurements? And of course, once you've measured it once, you're going to be held accountable for how you measure it next year. Yeah, once you measure it, you you can't go the other way. You know, it's it it becomes you know hard measure, which is why you want it measured. There's a lot of lip service, kind of I think, particularly in insurance for towards this. Yeah, yeah. I feel like another podcast coming <laughs> on, Chris. I'm going to sign you up for the uh, the ESG measurement podcast. <laughs> Just speaking to a big client, you know, they have zero idea of their carbon footprint and maybe mm. 10, 20%, you know, this is like not expensive. I said, like, if we put this in place, you could probably get to 80%, like in very short, uh, this is on your own operations. This is not like the underwriting. This is like a different, different policy. How you, how right. do you underwrite for flood risk and kind of how, how can you help in that, that part, which is not directly to your outcome, because basically if you don't like the risk odds, you just don't give people insurance anymore. Excellent. Well, I really enjoyed hearing all the different angles of what you're doing and, and really been intrigued to start to dig into some of what you've, you've written about as well. And I think as we started off, you know, your success is defined by the size of the business and the revenue and the clients worldwide. So that tends to speak for it as well. So Chris, it's been great to talk to you and uh, I hope to see you face to face in one of the, you know, the groups we're getting together now talking about ESG and climate. I feel you'd have a lot to add personally and with your Capgemini hat on as well. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. Well, the more I get to know about Capgemini, the more I'm impressed by what they're doing. Now, if you'd like to find out more about how we at Instec are exploring the world of innovation to help you, whether you work for a technology company or an insurer, find your partner and clients and solutions, then please do contact me, Matthew Grant, Matthew at Instec.co, or any of us, hello at Instec.co. And also you'll find everything we are up to at the website, www.instec.co. Now, we're delighted to be getting emails every day asking us to have some of the global leaders from insurance and technology on this podcast. But as much as we all love what we do, we do have families to feed. So the best way to get your CEO onto this podcast is join us as a member. That's it. We're done for today. <laughs>